everybody, and welcome to the Eagle's Nest Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with Senior Pastor of Eagle's Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody. He's worthy to be praised. Well, today is the uh, last sermon in a series that we've been in called Rich Folks. We've been talking about what does it mean to be financially rich, to be materially rich. And today what we're going to talk about is what does it mean to be spiritually rich. You know that word rich, rich gets throw, thrown around rather a lot. And um, it's a word that is used all throughout the Bible. And so I believe God wants us to know the true meaning of what it means to be rich. So we're going to jump right into it. Wherever you are, if you're online, if you're here in person, I believe the Lord is going to speak to you today. I believe the Lord is going to challenge you today through his word. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name because you are holy. You are worthy to be praised. And, oh, God, we come to you right now asking you to speak to us clearly and precisely through your word. Challenge us, Lord. Father, I pray that we will literally hear from you today. Touch our hearts today. May we be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And so, Lord, you are holy, you are worthy, and we magnify your name because you've been so good to us. During this Thanksgiving season, we give thanks to you, Lord. We praise you because you're so awesome. So now, Lord, be with us today as we humble ourselves before you. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody? The Lord is worthy to be praised. Where we're going to jump right into the word today, we're going to be hanging out in the New Testament, uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to really take a journey through verses 1 through 9, but I want to highlight verse 9 as we start this. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation, 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And it reads, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I think I want to read that one more time. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, we'll talk about what that means, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, that's the good part, might become rich. I want to speak to you today from the subject, from 
rags to riches. From rags to riches. A very familiar term. In the world we live in today, we are enamored by people who seemingly come from nothing to great riches. People who have an extraordinary rags to riches story. People like Steve Harvey, who went from being homeless to a Hollywood mogul. People like um, Tyler Perry, who was also homeless and lived in his car as he was doing these plays all over the United States and not making hardly any money, but he stuck to it. And now he is a renowned entertainer and a Hollywood mogul. People like Oprah Winfrey, who went through a lot of adversity in her life. She experienced um, poverty, and now she is one of the most influential and one of the wealthiest women in the world. So all three of these people have extraordinary stories, and there are others that I could name, and and why we are so enamored by them is because of their rags-to-riches journey. Those kind of journeys often inspire us. So today, we're going to be exploring another rags-to-riches journey, because as followers of Christ, we are called to a different understanding of riches. Now, there is nothing wrong with some of the riches that I just named from some of those entertainers, how they became financially rich, how they became materially rich. But as followers of Christ, God has a different standard for us when it comes to worldly success. In fact, our spiritual perspective transcends our worldly perspective. So there's nothing wrong with having worldly riches, but it has to be underneath our spiritual perspective. So today we're going to explore a true rags-to-riches story which only really comes from a profound relationship with Jesus Christ. So today I want to take you on a brief journey through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. And again, we're just going to go through every verse, and we're going to read what I believe is an extraordinary story. But before we do that, let me tell you the characters of this story, because you need to understand the context. A lot of people read these chapters, and they don't really understand who the players are. Now, I must admit, you all, I, in my free time, I'm so busy, but I I love to watch movies during my free time, and I very rarely get a chance to do that, because I'm always working on something related to ministry or business And, um, but when I do watch these movies, I like to do it with my wife. And one of the reasons is she understands the context. Sometimes y'all, these movies get so complicated. I tell my wife, look, I sat down 
for entertainment. And this thing is like racking my brain to understand who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. I mean, they make these movies so complicated. And then my wife explains to me, you see, this guy, he's this. That person is this. I say, oh, okay. Y'all, I hate to admit this, but I've gone halfway through a movie and still not understanding (laughs) who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. So I want you to understand this passage because it's a very powerful passage. So let's look at who the players are. Uh, The first player is who I call the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was an overseer. He was like the bishop. And the Apostle Paul, in this particular chapter, was um, raising money. He was going to some of the churches, and this particular church in particular, because he was encouraging the people to give. The Apostle Paul was. Well, who was he encouraging them to give to? He was encouraging them to give to Jerusalem Christians. Jerusalem Christians. And they were people who desperately needed financial help. So these were some believers who were in Jerusalem, y'all, and they were suffering. They were going through a lot. I think there was a, uh, some scholars say there was probably a famine in the land and they were suffering. So the Apostle Paul went to two churches to ask these two churches to help out the poor Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering. He went to two churches. Um, The first church he went to was uh, some of the Macedonian churches. Now, let me tell you about these Macedonian churches. They were spiritually vibrant, but they were very poor churches. Let's just say that these were churches located in the hood. These were the kind of churches you you go to church and you park and you look around before you get out of your car, okay? You you run to the church and and it had a gravel driveway and it, it just was nothing impressive about this church. The people who went to this church, most of them had to ride Marta to get to the church or they walked. It was in a very poor area. So I'm I'm contextualizing this for you. So the Macedonian churches were poor churches. And the Apostle Paul went to some of these Macedonian churches, poor churches, and he said, I need you all to help give toward the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And then the Apostle Paul, uh, let's just say he got on his chariot or in his car, and then he drove to the north side of town, up 400 north, okay, to North Fulton, and he went to visit a senior pastor, and this guy's name was Titus, Pastor Titus. He was the senior pastor of the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth was a happening church. When you go into the parking lot of the church at Corinth, you will see Lexuses, you will see Teslas, you will see BMWs and Mercedes. People that got out, they wore really nice clothes, they smelled good, and it was in a really nice neighborhood. That was the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, as you will see, they were also spiritually vibrant but they were a financially rich congregation. So the Apostle Paul wanted to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem, 
and he went to two places. The poor Macedonian churches that were in the hood. And he said, I need y'all to help these Christians out. And then he went to the rich church at Corinth and said, I need to help, need you all to help these people out. In fact, the Apostle Paul in verse 7 compliments the rich church. He compliments them. So let's just say on his visit to the rich church, I want you to look at what he says to them in verse 7. Look at this. He said, but since you excel in everything, in other words, rich church, church at Corinth, y'all got it going on. Look at this new building. Y'all mean to tell me Project Soar did this? (laughs) Wow. He said, you excel in everything, in faith. Y'all have people who really love the Lord. He says, in speech, y'all got some great communicators and teachers. He said, in knowledge, y'all know the word. He says, in complete earnestness, this means sincerity, and in the love we have kindled in you. So y'all have love flowing from your body, flowing from your soul. Then he goes on to say this, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. So he said, rich church, y'all got it going on. You got faith. You have love. You are sincere. Love flows from you. So for this nice big mega church in this really nice area, y'all got it going on. I have to commend you. But don't forget that you need to excel also in this grace of giving. Wow. So that begs the question, what does Paul mean when he says this grace of giving? Well, first of all, I believe his words are apropos for us today, even for our church today, Eagle's Nest, even for those churches that are like our church. We might excel in a whole lot of things, but God has given us resources. There was a reason that church had resources. There was a reason that those people had resources. And Paul was saying that y'all got it going on, but don't forget about the gift, the grace of giving. Because God blessed you for a reason. It wasn't just for pretty cars and big houses. Nothing is wrong with that, but that's not just why God bless you. So what is the grace of giving? Look at this definition. The grace of giving is the supernatural, say supernatural. It is the supernatural ability to give one's material resources to the needs of others, and to the work of the Lord in a generous and cheerful manner. That's grace. To give of your material resources to the needs of others. That means you care about other people and you offer to help them. That's grace. And then to give to the work of the Lord, not just tipping God, 
but in a generous way and in a cheerful manner, in a way where you have a smile on your face. That's grace-giving. Well, why do I call this supernatural? Why is the grace of giving a supernatural ability? Well, let me tell you why. Because human beings, all of us, are born with a propensity to be selfish, not generous. Okay, think about it. You don't have to teach a toddler how to be selfish. You have to teach a toddler how to share. Because we have this natural propensity to want to hold on to what we have. I mean, think about it. If you've raised children or if you've been around toddlers or little kids, you have to constantly teach them how to share. It doesn't come natural for most human beings. So every follower of Christ has the grace to give. The issue is whether or not we will allow God's grace to work in our lives. So we have the grace. Some people may say, well, Pastor Lee, maybe you got the grace, but I just don't. (laughs) Well, none of us are born with that grace. We have to develop that grace. But we have to allow that grace to work in our lives because it's there if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul begins by telling us about the grace that God gave the Macedonian churches. Those were the poor churches. So what you're going to see is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth about the Macedonian churches, how poor they were, but how supernaturally they gave. Okay? He was boasting about their generosity. In in fact, Paul used them as a prototype, as a measuring stick for the Corinthian church, the rich church. So what Paul is saying, y'all, what you're going to see in a few moments, he's saying, rich church, church at Corinth, eagle's nest, churches that have people with means. I want you to check out what this poor church or these poor churches did. And I want you, rich church, even though you got it going on, rich church, but I want you, rich church, to learn something from these poor churches. That is the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Y'all with me on that? All right. So that brings me back to our point. How do we go from rags to riches. I want to give you three things as it relates to this passage, as it relates to what the poor church did. Three things that the Apostle Paul is speaking to us about 
through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's look at it. Number one, to go from rags to riches, we must give despite our circumstances. Ooh, that's a tough one right there. Because what Paul is saying and what I'm saying to you is you don't allow your circumstances to control whether you help other people and whether you give to the Lord's work. Why is that? Because you can always find something going on in your life. You can always find a reason not to give. You can always find a reason not to help somebody if you really looked hard enough. Because sometimes you look at your life and everything is not working out. And so what Paul is saying is to go from racks to riches, we have to learn how to give despite our circumstances. Let me say this, some of you all have allowed your circumstances to keep you from being generous. And you may say things like, I'm under the circumstances. No, I don't want you to be under the circumstances. I want you to be on top of your circumstances, not under the circumstances. So let's look at this. In verses 1 and 2, let's look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says, and now, brothers and sisters talking to um, the rich church. We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Okay? So now he's talking to the rich church about the poor churches. He says, I'm going to tell you about the grace that God has given these poor churches. Then he goes on to say this. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What? In their very, not just a severe trial, but a very severe trial. I don't know about y'all, but I've gone through some trials before. I've gone through some severe trials before. And I've gone through some very severe trials where it's like, Lord, if you don't come through, I'm done. I'm done. Where you're just hanging on and only thing you have is your faith. That's it. And you just say, Lord, I just don't know. By the way, y'all, that's one of the ways God grows our faith is sometimes through trials and, and so he, they were going through a severe trial. Many scholars say that they were probably experiencing a famine in their land. But then it says, but they're overflowing joy. How are you going to be joy, joyful? How are you going to be overflowing with joy when you're going through a severe trial? But y'all know in James where it says, count it all joy. When you encounter various trials. Well, why do you count it all joy? You're not counting it joy because you're hurting. You're counting it joy because you know that God is with you. You know that God is working something out in you. And you know that it's going to be good in the end. Now, it may not feel good now, but it's going to be good in the end. It's almost like working out. I mean, working out is, is tough. 
but you have to think about how you want your body to look and feel, okay? And so that's what you get the joy from. You get the joy from the end result that you're trying to achieve. So when you're going through a trial, you all, what you have to do is not let your circumstances get you down. You have to think about, Lord, if you allow me to go through this, then I must be strong enough to handle it. And you must be working something out in me that's going to make me even better than I am today. Amen to that, y'all. So he said they had overflowing joy, but then he described, he said they had extreme poverty. Not just a little bit of poverty. I'm talking about extreme poverty. I'm talking about government cheese, okay? No, not even government. I didn't say that right. Government cheese. Government. So that's what I'm talking about. See, y'all don't know nothing about That's some good cheese, y'all. Y'all don't think I know. That's some good cheese. So they had extreme poverty, but then it welled up in stinginess? Nope. It welled up in holding on to what they had since that they were going through so much? No. It welled up in fear? No. It welled up in rich generosity. What? Poor people? Broke folks? In the hood? Struggling? And they couldn't wait to give. They couldn't wait to help other people who were going through something that was even tougher than what they were going through. So the Macedonians did not allow their negative circumstances to hinder them from giving. In fact, they gave joyfully and liberally despite their circumstances. Let's look at what they were going through. Look at this formula, you all. Severe trials plus extreme poverty equaled overflowing joy plus rich generosity. Now, suppose we had to do this formula in our life. (laughs) Severe trials plus extreme poverty equal I'm depressed. Severe trials plus extreme poverty equal I don't want to go to church. Or equals, I'm going to hold on to everything I have. I got to take care of myself. This is all about me. But not with them. Overflowing joy plus rich generosity. So in spite of a bad economy, in spite of high interest rates, in spite of layoffs, in spite of whatever is going on in our lives, we have to be obedient to God. Because that's one of the ways God, you all, test our faith in any area. Number two, to go from rags to riches, we must give beyond our ability. Remember when I said this grace of giving is supernatural. And if, if the supernatural is working in your life, then you're going to be able to do things beyond your ability, beyond the natural. You see, not enough of you and not enough of us 
flow in the supernatural. But see, we think the supernatural is only miracles. You're laying hands on somebody and God heals them. Now, that is certainly supernatural. But God can do the supernatural in your life every day. Just every, you know what? When you're driving down the street and and that 18 wheeler uh, barely misses you, that's the supernatural because angels were watching over you. Angels were watching over you. You all don't realize how much the supernatural works in your life. So, Giving beyond our ability, I'm going to talk about what that means, means we give in the supernatural. Let's look at verse 3 in 2 Corinthians 8, 3. We talked about verse 1 and verse 2. Now let's look at verse 3. This is Paul saying, he says, for I testify, I'm telling you all, rich church, I'm telling you, I'm not lying. I'm testifying that they, meaning the poor Macedonians, gave as, gave as much as they were able And even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. He he, he said, I didn't even have to say, all right, this this line over here, come on, everybody who wants to give $700, come over here. Okay, everybody wants to do this and put pressure on them and all that stuff, lay hands on them and push them down. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe y'all never been to a church like that. Or just try to preach him up into a frenzy. He says, no, they, they, they went beyond their own ability and they did it entirely on their own. So what does beyond their ability mean? First, let me describe what giving in your ability means before I describe beyond your ability. Giving in your ability means that you give based on what you already have. I understand that. It is what you know you can give based on your income, your expenses, your bills, your needs, and your wants. It's what you know you can give. It is based on what you see in the natural. In other words, I know I can do this. Nothing is wrong with that kind of giving. It's when you look at the numbers, it makes sense. You look at the bank account, it makes sense. You look at your circumstances, it lines up with it. The money is there. Everything is going good. You write the check, you go online, you help the person on the street corner, whatever you do, and it feels comfortable because you know you got it. Again, nothing is wrong with that, but that's called giving in the natural. That's called giving in your ability. But remember, they said they gave beyond their ability. So what does that mean? Giving beyond your ability is when you give by faith. It is when you give what is sacrificial rather than what is comfortable. I don't know about y'all, but have you ever given something and it, it almost hurts you to give it? You know, it almost hurts you a little bit, and, and, and you know it was a sacrifice. It wasn't comfortable. Giving beyond your ability is when you give, you, and it doesn't make sense. It's when you give, and the numbers don't always add up. 
It is spirit-led giving versus pragmatic giving. The churches in Macedonia, Macedonia, the poor churches, were giving beyond what seemed possible. I remember my first sacrificial giving moment or experience. It was many, many years ago, and the church I was at, um, there were some things going on with the building. Um, We had bought this building, and unfortunately, they didn't know that there was a tax lien on the building. Some kind of tax thing happened. The pastor came before this small congregation. It was no more than 200 of us, and that might have been a stretch to say 200, and most of us were recent college graduates. I think I was around 23 or 24 years old, and the pastor said, hey, you all, here's what's going on. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to raise X amount of dollars or they're coming to seize the building tomorrow, tomorrow. And man, all of us were 23, 24, 25, 26. You know, we were young people with car notes and rent to pay and school loans and all that stuff. And, and he put the number out there and, and he said, I know many of you already give your regular tithes and offerings, but I'm asking you to give sacrificially. And I remember the Lord put a figure on my heart. And when he put the figure on my heart, I'll never forget this. I said, I rebuke you, Satan. (laughs) Because I'm like, whoa, that can't be God right there. Now, the reason I said it couldn't be God, y'all, is because if I had given that amount, that meant that by the end of the month, somebody wasn't going to get paid. That meant that I was going to rob Peter and rob Paul. And rob Pookie. It's bad when you got to rob Pookie, too. In other words, if I give this based on what I earn, something is going to go missing at the end. But I knew, this is my story, by the way, at that time, I knew I was supposed to give it. I was just 23, maybe 24 years old. And I knew it like I knew it. I wrote the check out. My hand was shaking. Okay, this was back before online giving, y'all. So, wrote the check out, gave it, and, and I, I would be lying to you all if I said I went back to my seat jumping with joy. No, I had what you call giving remorse. <laughs> what have I done? Are you crazy? And I remember praying when I got home, Lord, I know that was you. And by the way, y'all, it was $1,000. Now, that may not seem like a lot today, but $1,000, that was a lot of money. To make a long story short, about two weeks later, I'm getting close to the end of the month. I can just hear the door knocking. I mean, like Peter, hey, man, where's my money? So anyway, close to the end of the month, a friend of mine called me. He said, man, I was dreaming about you. I've been thinking about you. He said, I I just want to ask you something. I said, okay, what's up, man? He said, are you in financial trouble? I said, no, I'm not in financial trouble. He said, do you have any financial needs? I said, no, man, I'm good. Pride. I said, no, I'm good. 
So he said, oh, man, that's interesting because the Lord told me to give you some money. But, you know, maybe I didn't hear God right. (laughs) I said, oh, yes, you did. I'm sorry, man. I wasn't telling the truth. Yeah, I do have some needs, bro. I, I really do. And, and I didn't go into detail, but this guy said, man, I, I don't know what this means. I'm just supposed to give you $1,000. That's what he said. Amen to that, y'all. So to me, y'all, that was my breakthrough when it came to giving and not allowing my circumstances to define my obedience to God. Okay? I think that's for somebody. All right, lastly, we got to move fast. To go from rags to riches, number three, we must give cheerfully and generously to God's work. Very simple. Cheerfully and give and generously to God's work. All right, now let's look at verses four and five. Paul is still talking about the poor church. He says, they urgently pleaded with us. What? For the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. He's talking about they pleaded, the poor church pleaded with Paul to let us share in this, man. Let us give. We want to help to the Lord's people. Those were the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And then look at what Paul says about them. He says, they exceeded our expectations, meaning the poor church. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. You see, y'all, what I'm talking about today, if you have never made Jesus your Lord, if you're not sold out for Christ, in fact, you all, messages like this, if you're not totally committed to the Lord, you, you just like feel super uncomfortable. And what I have found out in my life, especially in my early Christian life, is the deeper I fell in love with Jesus, the more I wanted to help people and give. And if I started falling out of love with Jesus, meaning that my intimacy, there started to be a distance, the less I wanted to help people and give. So they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. When you give yourself fully to the Lord, it is easier to give to other people. And then I'm going to jump to verses 8 and 9 as I come to a close. Paul says this. This is important. I am not commanding you. I'm not putting pressure on you. I think that's important for a leader to say. I think that's important for a leader like myself to say. Because at the end of the day, if you give and you don't do it from a great heart, then you won't receive the benefits. Now, that doesn't mean that that it won't be tough to help people, to give, to sacrifice. But nobody should manipulate you. Nobody should browbeat you because then you're doing it under compulsion and not with a cheerful heart. Now, some people say, well, does that mean if I don't have a cheerful heart that I don't have to give? Some people love not having a cheerful heart. No, I'm I'm just saying that, yeah, it may be tough 
But the bottom line, you ought to do it joyfully. So he says, but I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. See if you really love God. By comparing it, meaning your love for God, with the earnestness, the sincerity of others. He's talking about the sincerity of the other church. Then he goes on to say this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, this is how he ends it, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What does Paul mean when he speaks of Jesus being rich, then becoming poor for our sakes, that we might become rich? I want to close with this. Here's what he means. Jesus, the one who was rich, had everything. Philippians 2 explains it. He he had everything. But he became poor on purpose, making himself nothing. How did he do that? He came to earth. He died on the cross, died a atrocious death, nails in his hands and feet, pierced in his side. He assumed mankind's debt of sin, our debt, our sin. He paid for it with his life. God reached down. In other words, and came down and dwelt among us through the person of Jesus. He suffered and died in order to lift us up. So before you and I met Jesus Christ, you might not have known it, but you were spiritually bankrupt. You were rags. Even when you thought you were holy and doing good, uh, the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But now that we have trusted in him, because Jesus became poor for us, and now in our spiritual poverty, our spiritual bankruptness, we can become spiritually rich. We can find joy. We can find peace. We can find happiness. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people may have the riches of the world, but they have a poor spirit. And then some people don't have the riches of the world, but they are very rich in spirit. So the purpose of this series is for you not to be afraid or to feel guilty if God has made you rich materially. But the series has really been about you being generous with what God has given you. You don't have to take a vow of poverty to please God, but you do have to take a vow of generosity in order to please God. So I want to pray with you, those watching online. I just want to pray that God would do something great in your life and that if you 
are not spiritually rich. Maybe you're going through something emotionally. Maybe you have never surrendered your life to Christ. I want to give you a chance to really be rich for real. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we come to you thanking you for dying on the cross for our sins, for forgiving us of our sins and making us new people as we follow you. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you're out there today, if you're watching us online and you're saying, Pastor Lee, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to say a prayer with you In fact, before I even say the prayer, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you're saying, Pastor Lee, I want to do like those Macedonian churches. I want to give myself to Jesus first. Without people looking around, would you just raise your hand if you're just saying, Pastor Lee, I want to give my heart to Jesus. And we'll find you after the service and we'll give you some instructions. But if you're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus right now, All you got to do is just wave at us and put your hand down. We have some of our elders looking around, so you will be found. Thank you. If you're online, all you have to do is put it in the chat. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to get to know you better. Lord, I'm praying that over this Christmas season that you will never let us forget the reason for the season. The reason we give gifts is because you gave your son, Jesus Christ, for, to us because you loved us and he died for us so that we could be saved. So Lord, I'm praying that you will help us to sacrifice over the next month, especially even throughout our lifetime, sacrifice for people, sacrifice for the kingdom of God, Help us not to be stingy and selfish with the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise, everybody. Amen. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we would love for you to come and worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles. Eagles.